0: i think i yeah i had a bit of a some, bit of something the other week but um yeah thankfully for me i'm, I'm feeling not too bad so if, if i need to carry some of the some of the the vocal burden today uh <laughs> i can absolutely. do so absolutely that's great to
1: hear thank you very much mate as i say it's, we're not quite in um calling six stations quite yet we sold you on but i can feel it coming went through a pack of suvas in a rapid time yesterday but what can you do we carry on Regardless, just as City have done, Alex, and what a way to cap off a brilliant week on uh, Saturday. Um, three games last week, 15 goals scored, three victories, and <laughs> still not quite top of the Premier League table because Arsenal. wow they are certainly, um, certainly having a great start themselves, but um, you know, another another kind of comfortable victory for the Blues. Um, not actually the best. It's so weird to say. Well, it's almost picking hairs at this point, but not actually the best performance against a state side who has troubled City in the past. It didn't get um and a win against them last season in the league. Um, but uh, and Southampton they kind of press that City. They get under the grid a little bit, but this and it did put City off their game for the first twenty minutes so, but they had chances from the second minute that they should have gone ahead by, and by the 20, if they finally did take the lead, it was uh, Dwell Cancelo getting the opener, a brilliant solo goal after the referee played an advantage from Phil, after Phil Foden had been fouled, he carried the ball on and then blasted it into the bottom corner. Uh, Foden himself then carried on his hot streak of form by uh, grabbing the second with an absolutely lovely gink over the goalkeeper. Um, in the second half, just after the break, we had Mares who had missed a few chances early on, um scored finally got on the score sheet were a nice to take a volley kind of a trademark sort of goal of his that um kind of drifting off at the back post and delicate volley into the far corner and then just to see off their scoring just as it looked like he might be coming off and might not get a goal um with South safe coast sides um seemingly being his kryptonite early harland did bag he did score of course taking his tally up to whatever it is at this point 2021 20, whatever it is it's absolutely ridiculous but, as, as we say, Alex, sit, not the best City display, but when you can still win 4-0 and not be at your best, it's, it's it's that old saying there, that old cliche, oh, they weren't at the best, but they did scrape a win. They did. They fought in deep. They managed to win 1-0 right at the end. They came back and they, they scraped through. And now it's... Well, city weren't quite firing all cylinders, but they absolutely blew Southampton away and pretty much were never in danger. I don't think Southampton had a shot on target or if they did, it wasn't until the last minute and certainly Southampton got a corner in the 83rd minute or something and the Southampton fans cheered as if it scored. So that was the level of how bad City were when they were completely so dominant. But yeah, not the not the smoothest display um, from the Blues.
0: Yeah, it's it's a weird one really because in, in one sense we've, we've had a continuation of last season where City didn't really play well against Southampton and I guess you could say this this game was a little bit not not quite as smooth as their performance against United or Copenhagen in the week or or even Wolves um, just before the international break. But then the outcome was very very much different to those to those draws against Southampton last season. Um, and I, I think I've I've seen a few people say that City's performance was poor. I don't think I'd, I'd go that far. I think it was just a little bit. I mean Guardiola, Guardiola said after the game it was you know he wasn't entirely happy with some of the. City were a bit sloppy in possession sometimes. even the the players like Kevin De Bruyne, who, you know, we he's probably the last player you associate with giving the ball away needlessly. He was a little bit sloppy at times, I thought, but you know, overall City still created plenty of chances. I was quite surprised really with how Southampton played, given, you know, they, they were the team that gave everyone the blueprint last season of how to play against City. Um and they just they they sort of pressed, but it was a little bit like what we saw from United in the derby, really. It was kind of not a full-blooded gung-ho press. It was just a sort of a a strange sort of in-between, which is quite easy for for teams like City to play through. So, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, you can't really complain with a 4-0 win. And as we'll come on to, there were some great performances, some great link-up between different players. But, yeah, maybe not City out there 100%. Best, but they just really didn't need to be. Um, and obviously, you know, you know when it's not been a tough game. When you get to the last half an hour, and Pep Guardiola starts making three, four substitutions at the same time, and as he said, the away fans are cheering the fact that they got a corner. So um, yeah, not maybe not the the a classic uh, City performance, but you know, it's a four nil win. It caps off uh, it capped off an extraordinary week for the club, and and yeah, still unbeaten in the Premier League.
1: I'm still beating everything, it's you know, it's mad yeah, that yeah, everything, yeah. yeah, it's mad that we've had you know, we've had that so sorry, that Crystal Palace match, that Newcastle match, where the even though City have got so much more firepower now, they do seem a bit more vulnerable, I've said in the past. And as you say, there they don't have to be quite as 100% on the game passing wise because they just have such an overwhelming clinical advantage at the top now, and it isn't just as we'll get onto, isn't just Haaland. I mean, Foden is in great scoring form. And when you've got even your fullback kind of doing stuff like that, I mean, wow, what a finish. I mean, Joel Kinsella, he probably was the star of the show on Saturday. A great display, an assist and a goal. Um, On the left, interestingly, which we'll get onto, despite Walker being injured. And it does, you know, what what a display for a player who when he first, lest we forget, when he first came to City in a massive 60 million transfer, I know Danilo went the other way to kind of negate that cost and getting 30 million back. But on paper, a 60 million pound signing who for the first six months or so of his time, he did not um, kind of make any sort of impact, was left out of the Carabao Cup final, um, victory against Aston Villa. um, Looked like he may well return to um, back to Valencia or a transfer away just a few months after. And to go from that to, being probably, if not the best, certainly one of the best left backs in the world when you're not even left footed is quite a remarkable um, achievement.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's just it's, it is quite incredible, really, because it's, as you say, he arrived as a right back, um, transitioned over to the left and it's actually now got to the point where um, just left back. Cancelo is just levels above right back Cancelo. And I think that's something to do with the the unpredictability that he brings. And I think last season there was there was maybe a few grumbles at times that because of uh Jack Grealish coming in on the left wing, when they were both playing on the left, City's left hand side could look very narrow and sort of predictable in the sense they'd both want to cut in. But when but I think this season he's kind of got back to his best sort of unpredictable level where he is now going to the byline sometimes he's also cutting in um, and defenders just have no idea um, why like they just don't have any clue what he's going to do it so um, it's so difficult uh, to predict what he's going to do whether as like whereas when he's on the right back um, you know it's it's pretty obvious what he's going to do because he isn't left footed he's unlikely to cut in onto the left um, but yeah he's you know we've just he's another one of these players that we just expect brilliant things from now because he's obviously uh it was last season with the whole inverted left backs thing where he um really sort of came into the the main picture of uh players that guardiola has improved massively and, and he's he's carrying that on now. Um and obviously that goal that's I don't know, I don't I think at the time I didn't really appreciate it enough, but watching it back, he carries the ball all the way from sort of inside his own half, you know. He's got options to pass, but um, he's got that self belief as well that he can sort of do everything that the attackers and the attackers can do. And you know, really, he is just a midfielder, isn't he? He's, he's got number seven on his back as well, and absolutely great finish um, with his weaker left foot. I say weaker, but you know, it's it's pretty good. So um, yeah, really good goal from uh, from Cancelo. And and yeah, I think it was a bit of a surprise that he actually did play on the left because I know me anyway. I thought. I think most people thought when the team news came out an hour before the game that it was going to be Ake at left back and Cancelo on the right. But obviously we saw uh, Manuel Akanji play at right back and I'm, I think we'll come on to him shortly. But um, yeah, it was probably a good decision from Guardiola because it allowed Cancelo to stay on the left. And that, for me, is is now his main position. I think the time's come we should stop talking about him as a, as a right back that's playing out of position and doing it very well. He is just a left back now. Or, at the least, he's both. So, so um, yeah, excellent performance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it's time to say he's in a natural position anymore because, it, 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 as you say, he looks almost better there than he does on the right. I, I think, as you're right, I think you see it's his unpredictability there, as you say. like He's not left-footed, but he's certainly improved the aspects of this game, I'd say, from when he first went over there. You know, City, left-back's been an issue for City for a certain amount of time. And they've never, until this summer, when they finally brought in Sergio Gomez, who wasn't meant to be the main signing, obviously they're trying to get Kucarella. This summer's the first time they've signed a left-back since 2017. They've kind of gotten by with Delft there, with um, Zinchenko obviously moving there and making that position his own and doing really well. But not never really being that, the speedy, overlapping, really attacking threat left-back, more of a, the midfield mould. Then you've had, what, Laporte there, Ake there. So many kind of stop gaps, and for Cancelo, who was himself a stop gap for a time, to literally make it so that it isn't a stop gap anymore, he is the left back, and Gomez is the one who's going to have to be good cover. Um, if ever Cancelo does go on the right, um he can come in, or if Cancelo, God forbid, gets injured, then Gomez looks like he's got the ability to come in and say, so I think that left foot ability. Because it was it was his assist his goal was certainly with his left foot and his assist was with his left foot as well. So he has got I believe, I don't think he was quite as good as this when he first went there. So he must be something he's working on. He he can go on the outside still, even though he's obviously tendency is to cut inside because he is right footed. So he's improved that side of his game so much, which makes him such a such a dangerous kind of prospect for anyone to defend against. When you basically got you know you got Grealish. And usually, Grealish or um, folding on Mares, whoever, as well as Cancelo, it must be an absolute nightmare for any right-sided defensive unit team you know who come up against it.
0: Yeah, it's um, totally agreed. It is. Uh, he has him. He has come on leaps and bounds. And as you say, his, his assist was such a such a pinpoint accurate cross. And obviously, um, Harlem was very pleased that it came his way because he was desperate to get a goal. Um, it looked like it was going to be a repeat of the Bournemouth game where he didn't score. But yeah, fantastic cross to get to him um, from, from Cancelo. And it was, yeah, as you mentioned, obviously Sergio Gomez has come in and uh, Guardiola has shown so far, he's he has been a bit reluctant to start him. I think Gomez has only started one game, is it? I think it was away at Sevilla in the Champions League. Um, and obviously that's, you know, he's young, he still needs more time to adapt to the city system. Having said that, he's looked really good whenever he has come in. But obviously Cancelo is the sort of undisputed starter and he's now even got that that sort of powerful left footed cross, which we've seen from Gomez uh, during his cameos this season. But Cancelo is just showing us all that he's got it as well. Um, left foot, right foot, he can drill a cross in uh, really accurately and, and yeah, in that with that Haaland goal, it was just Haaland all he had to do was sort of wrap his foot around it and the power of the cross has um has sort of done all the, the hard most well, a lot of the hard work for him. It was um brilliant delivery and yeah really impressive from Cancelo and it's it's nice to see because he is one of those players that is sometimes prone to switch off a bit but I think it was good that on a day where some of City's other sort of star performers were a little bit below par a little bit sloppier in possession he was sort of you know bang on the money yeah. um, and had a really good game so yeah that's only going to do his, um yeah his confidence and his form good. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, Gomez did start in Copenhagen last week as well. Got two assists, of course, with his shots that went in. And like I'm sure, I'm sure he'll start, well, as we'll come on to, um, on Tuesday evening's game and later on today as we record this show. But we'll get on to that a bit later. You know, Rico Lewis came on again. Um, I think he's hit four appearances now in the um, in the Premier League so far for a 17-year-old on the Guardiola. That's a great kind of omen for his career. And again, another good option, fullback. he's proved to be really impressive whenever he's come on and then another as we as you mentioned there as you teased there another kind of option at right back that we've now discovered is um, Manuel Akanji who did play there um I thought personally as I, I agree with you I thought it'd be Ake okay at left back he's played there a bit more often but it did go with Akanji there how did how did that work because he's been really really solid and really really good since he came in at the centre back perhaps a bit of a risk to move him um but he went out at right back and well certainly didn't concede any so how did you do
0: yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good. It's it's kind of a strange one again with the uh just going back to what I said at, at the beginning of the show about I've seen some people saying that City weren't very good and some saying they were. I think it's just the start that they've had and the whole sort of Harlan mania has kind of knocked people's uh how people value a City uh, evaluate a City performance kind of out of whack a bit because, you know, I thought some people were saying kanji was a bit too slow to play on the right, or that he didn't really overlap and stuff. But of course, you know, City right, he he was clearly playing the right back role where you took into midfield um, alongside the the holding midfielder, and I thought he did it really well. Um, obviously, you're not going to quite have the the dynamism that Kyle Walker would provide on the right, and you know, few few right back right back options are ever going to do that. But I was quite impressed uh, with the Kanji. I must say, I thought his um. Obviously we've seen in his performances so far at centre back that he is very composed on the ball. Um and he's you know, he's probably goes straight into the maybe top two or top three of of ball players in terms of the the centre back city you've got. Um and I thought that meant that when he was talking into midfield from the right back role, um he just did it really well, looked really comfortable. Um and and it, it says quite a lot actually, because obviously I think, you know, John Stones, for example, him and Laporte are City's best ball playing centre backs. But I would say when Stones has played at right back, he hasn't looked that comfortable when tucking into midfield as the inverted right back, whereas I thought Akanji did look really comfortable. And yeah, it's one game and Southampton didn't exactly put on much of a fight, but um, I was still really impressed. And, you know, it, it's each game is just proving to be a, a better and better sign-in and a bargain one at that, because not only have... Has he now shown that, he, you know, City have got a, a very good centre-back for a good price, but they've also got more cover at right-back, especially when Kyle Walker, you know, over the last sort of year, does seem to be picking up more injuries than he ever has done. And that's just maybe a, a reality of the fact that he is sort of um, getting older now and maybe in the next few years City are going to have to look at replacing him. But Akanji is definitely someone that's capable of filling in whenever uh, whenever's needed. And yeah, I was really impressed again.
1: Yeah, that's it's certainly good. Because I, I kind of, when Zinchenko was sold and no replacement was immediately bought in and um, then Cucurella deal obviously fell through and it looked like City had made a bit of a blunder before they changed the man on Gomez and, you know, it, it's all worked out really well. But the kind of the biggest fear I had of City this season was that they'd lost that bit of versatility that they'd had with so many players. With Jesus and Sterling gone, they'd lost two attackers who could play anywhere in that front three. Um, with Fernandinho gone, they'd, got, they'd obviously lost the captain, of course, but um player who can um, go into centre back when injuries are struck and was relied upon towards the end of the last season to play there, even though he may have struggled a little bit here and there if it wasn't for him. Um, City would have had no centre backs, and Laporte was already on his last legs as well. So it's, you can very easily foresee a scenario where they might have kind of stumbled in that last running had Fernandinho not been available when the likes of Stones and Ake and Diaz all picked up injuries. They lost that. And of course, they lost Sinchenko, who obviously could play midfield, but rarely did, was the left back. Losing all that? All those players was, you know, four significant players as they were already. And it was a big squad refresh. But to lose that versatility, especially when we've seen how City, you know, with City's small squad, a few injuries here and there. And they can really start to look light on options. As, as we said, towards the end of last season, it was really... um. All hands on deck sort of thing for that center for those um defensive positions. And if Laporte wasn't brave and played through the pain, it's, it's you know it'd be interesting to see how that title where that title ended up. So to lose that and not looking like they'd replaced it that well, because I think you could say Holland is just a proper striker. Phillips played in defense in preseason, but he's more just a midfielder usually. And then you bring in Gomez, who can clearly play in midfield or in attacking positions and comfortable all over the place just like zinchenko and there as we discover a kanji also very comfortable right back I, I don't want to kind of stake my reputation on him. i'm pretty sure he's done a kind of john stones s called a midfield role in parts in the past as well and if he's not he certainly looks like he could do it we're getting that versatility in and having more you know the players who can play multiple roles that helps guardiola keep his squad small and hungry and has just plenty of options should injury strike is is always a real benefit and to to think that he's managed to kind of create that again obviously with Alvarez he can play anywhere in the front three as well pardon me um it's yeah it seems like that fear I had at the start of the season where they might might end up looking a little bit short in certain positions and they still might you know we've seen a few centre-backs injured you know Walker's out stones out Phillips is out at the minute. Another couple of injuries or suspensions here and there, and it's, it could look a little hairy. But they certainly, at the time being, got enough options to see it through.
0: Yeah, I definitely um, shared some of the same concerns, especially when um, when Zinchenko left, because I just I just couldn't think of another sort of left-back option that can also play in midfield. And, you know, if anything, Gomez is more versatile than Zinchenko was, which is quite remarkable, really. Um, and he's looking like, you know, he's, he's going to be a great player for many years to come. But, yeah, I think with the defensive options they have now, obviously Guardiola said, um, I think it was after the Southampton game, or it might have been yesterday ahead of tonight's match, that, um, you know, he keeps changing the defence at the minute because the defenders just aren't, capable of playing more than a couple of games in the space of three days at the minute. You know, obviously Laporte's just come back from a long injury. Um Stones is out at the minute, Walker's out. Um, you know, Ake has had his injury issues this season already. Um and Ruben Diaz had some towards the end of last season. So um so yeah it's obviously it was City weren't planning to bring in a kanji um in the summer. They weren't planning to sign a centre back when it looked when it transpired that Ake wouldn't be leaving. They were kind of like, yeah, that we're fine with the four. But obviously it's it's a good job that they did uh go out and get him. And yeah, looks like they couldn't have signed. I mean, there are better centre backs in the world, don't get me wrong, but f- for that price and for someone that can play in so many different positions, it looks like an absolute um brilliant piece of scouting by City. So um good job they brought him in.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that's signing mean, that you know it's not it's rare that City make kind of last minute transfers on deadline day no less. But I think they've certainly made the right decision there with Akanda. Um, elsewhere on Saturday, um, Jack Grealish kind of dropped out. I'm, I'm guessing ahead of a big week, which we'll get on to soon. And not certainly not a certainly not any indicator of his recent performances. Because in came Riyad Mahrez, who hasn't had the greatest starts of the season after being City's top goal scorer last year. Finally, did get his goal here, as I say, a, a nicely taken um, volley. But still not the best display. Should have had at least two, I say, from the from the first half. When he had similar good chances on um, kind of towards the right of the goal, but either scared them or hit them straight at the keeper. What's going Is it just his last year he was performing well above his station? And I still think he's a great player, but definitely not firing all sun, doesn't Maybe there are a sense of. Um, did he get a new contract?
0: Yeah, he um, hmm. signed a two or three year extension yeah, yeah. in july so, um so he's got a few years left yeah
1: so sense of um maybe not i wouldn't want to say complacency but maybe comfortableness now that his deal's secured his future's secured do you think or is it just a case of starting slow will take a bit of time to get going
0: yeah i'm not sure really um it's it's a funny one because as you say he was city's top scorer in all competitions last year uh 24 goals which It's a bit remarkable, just going back to Haaland. He's already scored 20 in all competitions and we're two months into the season. But yeah, Mares was City's top scorer last season. Played a really important role the season before that in getting City to the Champions League final. I think he scored three of City's four goals in the semis against uh, PSG. Um, But yeah, as you say, he has started the season quite slowly. He started a couple of games early on. I think he started the home game against Palace. And Maybe the home game against Forest and obviously against Palace City found themselves 2-0 down. and I, I think it was that game it was just um, it just looked very sort of a little bit too predictable, not very sort of incisive, um, not really providing any sparks. It was just sort of the ball would go out to him he'd pass it back inside, that would be that. Um, whereas on Saturday against Southampton, yeah, he's probably there's still a lot for him to work on but and particularly in terms of his finishing, because he did miss two really good chances before he eventually took his third chance very well. Um, but I did think he looked a bit more, sort of, um, a bit more of a spark to his game. He was, you know, taking people on more. Obviously, he found the space to have those chances. Yes, he missed them, but he found the space and he was in the right position um, and he had the confidence to take those chances on. So I think it was a, even though it's still not, it wasn't a performance at the top level that you'd expect from Mares given what he's done in recent seasons. I think it was a massive improvement um on how he's performed so far this season. Um but yeah, for the in terms of the reason why he's had a slow start, it's kind of hard to put um put it down to any one thing. Um I think maybe there is a slight there might be a slight sense that, you know, that just because of how good Foden has been and then in recent weeks, how much better Grealish has been probably makes puts us a, a bit of a lens on Mares and kind of makes it look like he's been worse than he actually has. I wouldn't say he's been bad. I just wouldn't, just don't think he's been anywhere near the level he can be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if everyone had had a poor start to the season, it probably wouldn't have been so noticeable. Um, but yeah, he's definitely not been up to his usual standard. But I thought it was, it was good. It was good that he um, got his goal, first goal in the league this season, brilliantly taken. As you say, it's yeah. the kind of finish we've seen a lot from him. In the past, I think he scored one against United at the Etihad last season, um, where that was from a corner and he just sort of side-footed, volleyed it into the into the far corner. Mm-hmm. Um, similar technique with this one. Um, and also, it was interesting, I saw the reaction from Guardiola when he scored. Um, Guardiola was just, you know, far happier than with any of the other goals on Saturday. He was up out of his seat fist pumping point looked like he was pointing at Mares, kind of sort of that's my guy kind of thing um so it's obvious that you know Guardiola's name checked Mares quite a few times this season yep. when he's been asked about oh how good is Foden playing or how good is Haaland playing he's always made sure to bring Mares into his answer and say you know we've got other good players though like Riyad Mares, which has seemed strange given that um as we said, you know, Mares hasn't been playing too well, but, you know, he's clearly been wanting to boost Mahrez's, Mahrez's confidence, getting back to his top form. And it's clear that he does he does believe and he does trust in Mahrez, Um, because, you know, he's proven it over the years. He has nothing left to prove, Mares. He just mm. needs to improve his performances this season. Um, so I thought that was a nice moment to see Guardiola um, giving him his full backing. And hopefully that kick-starts his campaign because, you know, not that City have really struggled um from Mares not having the best of starts but you know the more quality informed players you can have um as options to come into the team or to start the better it's going to be you know if there's a game where maybe Grealish and Foden start and City haven't quite found the goals or the the, the lead that they want then you know to have an informed Mares come off the bench is only going to be a benefit so um yeah it was a great great uh maybe not a great performance from Mares, but it, Turned out to be a great afternoon because you know he got his goal and he and he played a lot better than he has done this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I say Marez is the one who stayed when Jesus and Sterling were both sold. So I think that does show the faith that Guardiola has in him. But you you did actually just remind me of the reason of his post that and Guardiola, you're right, he has been name checking him quite a bit in his press conferences. But last week he actually well, kind of went a bit further and almost um threw the gauntlet down to him. He said, um, you kind of call into it questioned his physical condition didn't he he was saying um he has to come back um back to his best and that was it he kind of laid down the challenge for his fitness i think that would be why he was so happy with the goal because he knows how good he is as you say he praises him all the time but it was just that um coming pardon me just coming back with the um at the optimum fitness levels might be just why he's not been quite firing on all cylinders just yet. But you know, one player who has certainly been firing on cylinders is Foden. Well, oh, actually, by Guardiola's on a mission, he didn't have the best start of the season. But those, um, that early rustiness has certainly been blown away at this point. Four goals this past week, and pick of the bunch, I'd have thought, it was actually against Southampton, a lovely dink. And he's just, you know, ever since you challenged him ahead of the day, the, he's certainly just really get coming into his own now, being really decisive in the final third.
0: Yeah, I think me and Pep can can share the credit for um for Foden's recent performances. Yeah, it's yeah, well hope hopefully Mares does the same as what Foden's done and after Guardiola has sort of given him a little little kick up the backside in a press conference, it can inspire Mares to do what Foden has done, which has been, you know, brilliant over the last three, four games, I'd say. Um and yeah, it was a lovely goal. Um I think, you know, last season obviously we saw Foden playing a lot as the false nine and, you know, in that role he did have chances sometimes. Sometimes he'd have games where it was more of a selfless role and he wouldn't get many chances, but I think it's fair to say he wasn't always as reliable as City fans and Guardiola would like when those chances fell his way. Obviously it doesn't matter as much now because of um, Erling Haaland up front, but um, yeah, it was was a clinical finish and hopefully that's a sign of... um, his sort of finishing, mature, uh, finishing ability maturing and just becoming better with age and, and time and, and minutes because yeah it was a great little dink over Bazunu um, and yeah he's just um, he's had a really good start to the season even if the first few games he was a little bit rusty a little bit off the pace he's shown in the derby and then uh, against Southampton that you know he is a he's a sort of sure starter now and I think the fact that he was um, that he was rested against Copenhagen in the week. You know, kind of told us that he was going to start against Southampton. Um, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if Guardiola opts to, to maybe not start him again tonight in, in Copenhagen. Uh, what with Liverpool coming up on on Sunday and some big matches after that? Uh, because he's just, yeah, he's one of City's key players now and playing really well. So you don't want to risk him if, if you don't need to. So, yeah, he's a, another great performance, mm-hmm.
1: and well. Let's finally talk to him. Usually this podcast begins with a fifteen minute monologue on Mr. Ethan But this week not quite as um needed, only the one goal this week. What a slacker. Um came the fourth, <laughs> the fourth goal of the game, as you kind of touched on earlier, an absolutely rifle the finish right into the back of the net. Nothing. Gavin Bazuni actually had a decent game, you know, it had the better of harland for quite a while. Um, especially when Haaland got through and Bazunio beat him to the ball. Yeah, it looked like it wasn't going to be Holland's day for much of the match. He, he hit the post and was, you know, was ready to reel away the celebration when the shot. I think everyone, everyone watching, even the commentators when I was listening to, was basically saying he'd scored, but he didn't. The post denied him. Um, stunningly enough, um, it looked like you know, safe, safe, coast sides were about to be his tonight, but not quite as he got the fourth. But um, it, again, it says something like even on maybe a. Frustrating afternoon, there was another chance, wasn't there, when, uh, was it Cancelo maybe a forward and put the ball across for him or maybe even De Bruyne, sorry, put it on a platter for him and he let it go under his feet. It's like, oh, wow, yeah. there, there is there is a, the, you know, the machine does have a glitch after all, he, he can be stopped. But sadly, um, you know, even though it, the goal didn't matter in the grand scheme of things, the game was well and truly done. Certainly was a great relief to Haaland and, yeah, the, the scoring run continues. That's seven Premier League games in a row now, I believe. Wow
0: yeah uh jamie vardy must be getting a bit nervous now i'd say Quaking. um yeah <laughs> um what what was the record was it f- f- 13, 13 yeah. yeah the
1: The previous one was 12 i want to say
0: which he yeah which he equalized he against. Story, wasn't it that's um, right and then i'm pretty yeah. sure it's 13
1: 13 or 12 that's for sure mm.
0: yeah it was um yeah great finish you know it's just the kind of ch- it's that's what he brings you know with the kind of chance where you just need someone to get a foot on it. Um it's the kind of it's the kind of finish that I think we saw Sergio Aguero pull off quite a few times for City where a cross would just be fizzed into the box. And you know, you just gotta be in the right position and get good contact and the power is gonna take it in. Um and City kind of lacked someone that could do that last season. Um, but yeah, it for a long time it looked like the kind of game that Haaland had against Bournemouth back in August, um, where obviously that's the only league or well yeah the only the only game in all competitions this season that he hasn't scored in um but having said that, if it turned out to be anything like that game, it wouldn't have mattered had he not scored because he had such a big impact anyway um in terms of uh well I don't think he got any assists against Southampton didn't it did he but it was just clear in with some of the goals, I think it might have been I can't remember if it was the cancelo goal, Or the Foden goal. But it was just clear that the defenders were so preoccupied with Haaland's movement in the box and whether he was going to try and get into the space to, you know, latch onto a rebound or latch onto a cross that there was just acres of space uh, for the goal scorer just to run into and finish. So, you know, he just brings so much more than what he just does on the ball. So obviously, you know, we, we all want to see him score a hat trick every week. But even when he doesn't do that, and even if he doesn't score, and even if he doesn't get an assist, He just bringing so much work off the ball um, and just, you know, giving an, he just puts defenders in a, in a nightmare, impossible situation because, you know, you can put free, you can put two free defenders on him, stop him from doing anything, but even, but then it's going to leave loads of space for people like Foden and people like De Bruyne and Cancelo and Gundogan to just sort of ghost into, or, you know, to score or, or do whatever. So it's, um, yeah, it was just one of those performances or at least it seemed like it was going to be one of those until he got his goal. Um so yeah, probably not the the best performance we've seen from Haaland this season, not as not up to the level he was against United. Um but, you know, I still thought you know, maybe by his standards it wasn't an, a good performance, but how he impacted the game, I'd say it was a it was a pretty good performance. So um yeah, it's just it's it's hard to You know, we get used to him scoring two or three goals a game. So it's easy to think if he doesn't score, if he only scores one, it's like, oh, you know, that team did pretty pretty well. They kept him quiet. But when he has a hand in loads of goals by literally just standing there and causing defenders to just have meltdowns because they don't know whether to mark Harland or or go with the runner or go to someone else, then, you know, he is having a massive impact without even touching the ball. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought it was um, another good performance. Not his best, but a good one.
1: I wonder if we'll ever see the return of the um, kind of man-to-man marking. and if some manager will be like, I'm going to give it a go and just, I think, was it, um, was, it was it Jose Mourinho or was it just Jose Mourinho's Chelsea? I can't remember exactly, but there was a player who, when Chelsea played someone once and Hazard was just man marked, and the classic, he's getting subbed off, and the the marker follows him off the pitch with the sub, and it works. Like sometimes it is, it is it's, you know, you have to sacrifice a player from somewhere else to do it, obviously. And obviously, you have so many um other players, but I'd love to see someone, someone try it one day, just like that. Right, let's just give it a go. Every, you, whoever you are, you mark Erling Haaland. You do not leave him alone for a second. You frustrate him. You let him. Um, you just do not give him an inch of space. Do not worry about anything else. Don't worry about the ball. Don't worry about any other player. Stay on him. I'd, I'd love to see if it would work and if that's the way to do it. That'd be such a Sunday League solution to the best, um, the best striker in the world. But, you know, somehow I doubt it. But you know, as as I said, um, as me and John discussed on last week's podcast, it does feel like the only thing that will stop Haaland from certainly breaking City's all-time scoring record but even the Premier League record is just the amount of years he may stay at the club and a, an article from The Athletic on Tuesday morning has kind of um, given us some details on Haaland's supposed release clause we talked about it last week with Joe and how there was kind of rumours it was Real Madrid specific that is certainly not the case but the details of the release clause, according to the athletics, seem to be um, 100, about 175 million pounds, um, or 200 million euros, from the summer of 2024. Only viable for clubs outside of the Premier League. So while it's not a um, Real Madrid specific clause, because you know Bayern Munich could do it, Barcelona could do it, Juventus even if they had the cash, I'd have thought PSG, of course. Um, it, it does. It basically seems it's only for them five clubs because no one else. Could afford that sort of transfer fee, maybe Atletico Madrid in an absolute push, but I don't see that happening somehow. So yeah, um, as a City fan, Alex, is the, does this concern you? I mean, another detail was that um, the longer the years go, uh, the longer Haaland stays, the, the the lower the fee goes as well. I believe that was a detail. So yeah. it's you know it's interesting to know that it's in stone. You've definitely got at least another season out of him for sure. You know those clubs. Apart from PSG, are not exactly in the best financial positions themselves at the moment. It's so not like they could go out and spend 200 million on a win these days. You know, Barcelona and Real Madrid, especially. But it, you know, as a city fan, is it is it concerning, or is it just what you kind of
0: expected? Um, yeah. Well, I think yeah, you're right. It's um, I don't think there's any details about how much it decreases, but I think that yeah, the release clause decreases sort of year by year after 2024 for the sort of the remaining um 3 years of his of his contract um but there's no details on on the figures but i i don't know like i think when you when you see the sort of term release clause it kind of sends a bit of bit of a shiver down your spine it's like oh that that just means someone can come in pay the money and that's that um obviously like what city did when they signed jack grealish the 100 million release clause at villa it meant there was no protracted negotiations they didn't have to you know Villa didn't hold out for ages that was the figure City paid it done Um, and then with Haaland obviously that could happen you know if if he wants to go and Real Madrid come in and say right here you go City here's 175 million pounds Haaland wants to go so you can't do anything but having said that the situation isn't really that different to City's approach with every player As in, City have made it perfectly clear ever since Guardiola arrived that, you know, if you don't want to stay at the club, you're free to leave as long as you bring in a suitable offer. And, you know, we've seen that with Gabriel Jesus and Sterling leaving in the summer. It's been the same situation with Bernardo Silva, but a suitable offer has never actually arrived. Um, So now you've got a situation where that is basically the Haaland situation because, you know, if there wasn't a release clause, I feel like 175 million is probably a reasonable offer. So its is it any different, really? Obviously, maybe if, if Real Madrid came in straight off the bat and said, here's 175 mil, City might say, all right, maybe add another 20 to that or something. Um, But I don't think it's really that different of a situation because even without the clause, if Haaland wanted to leave, City would let him go as long as a suitable offer and, you know, 175 million pounds seems like a pretty suitable offer, really. Um, in sort of in today's market, I'd say so. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, if it, when you say the term release clause, it does sound a bit like oh, that means you could just leave at the drop of a hat, but it's really not that in reality, it doesn't seem that different to City's normal transfer strategy at the end of the day. If it gets to 2024 and Haaland wants to leave. City would let him go whether or not there was a release clause or not. Um, the release clause just sort of sets in stone the price that City would be willing to let him leave or they'd be legally required to let him leave. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not too much of a concern. I think whether there was a release clause or not, perhaps by 2024, because that seems likely to be, if if Karen Benzema signs a contract extension, that seems it's probably going to be a one-year to 2024. So that was probably going to be the year that they'd be sniffing around anyway. Um, so I guess it's just, it's a bit of a waiting game to see if, as you say, it seems a lot of an awful lot of money for Real Madrid or Barcelona to stump up at the minute. I think they probably could, but you've got to then figure in, factor in the wages. there will probably be fees, like agents, yeah. fees, fees for Alfie Haaland if he plays a role. Um, like there was with the City deal um, so when you add those on to £175 million then it's sort of a bit well maybe they can't afford it so yeah we'll just have to wait and see but I don't think it's any more concerning than, than if there hadn't been a release clause really because mm-hmm. City are happy for players to leave as long as an offer comes in and yeah that will be a very very big offer No, that's, that's such a really interesting point
1: and absolutely spot on. I do find it interesting that it's got like a no Premier League club clause in it, and you know, as you said there, they were happy to let Jesus and Zinchenko go to Arsenal, which at present is you know, I think you did a great tweet saying, and we'll talk about them in a minute. Like just, Guardiola was so bored, he let he let um, Guardiola let Zinchenko um, and Jesus go to Arsenal to get a bit of a challenge. as going at Tito, of course. So he let Sterling go. He lets um. Zinchenko and Jesus go to Premier League clubs, City do, but Haaland doesn't look like they'll do that because you just giving it's like giving a your opposition a nuclear bomb, isn't it? It's just not really um a smart thing to do.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I can't I, I don't think that was my tweet, so I can't take credit for that. Oh. But giving you credit, <laughs> <given> <laughs> credit you don't deserve it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Um but yeah, it's yeah, it's that's the good thing. In fact, maybe so maybe it's better that there's this release clause because mm. You know, before, as we've seen, you know, City didn't want to sell Gabriel Jesus. They didn't want to sell Sterling, but they kind of held themselves to this policy of you can leave as long as a a suitable offer comes in. So they couldn't really say to Sterling, for example, a suitable offer has come in, but we're going to now go back on our word because it's Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Or they couldn't say to Jesus, we're not going to do it because it's Arsenal, even though they've offered what we would accept from any other club. Whereas now, because there's this release clause with Haaland and it has this the no Premier League thing, if Chelsea came in, you know, well they can't. So it's so it is good in that sense. You're probably not gonna get that situation where Haaland could go to Chelsea or well, it's probably only Chelsea that will be able to afford him, really, isn't it? But um or maybe United, but I can't ever see that happening. Um so yeah, maybe, maybe it's actually better that there's this release clause because it does rule out um unless you know, unless one of someone like Chelsea came in with an even bigger offer above the release clause. Um it does rule out him going to another Premier League team, which is is great. Cause I think, you know, if you left City for Chelsea, for example, then yeah, it that would be horrendous. Like imagine City having to play Harland twi- against Harlan twice a season. <laughs> um yeah. So um so I think yeah in that sense the release clause is probably a good thing. Like mm-hmm. better than if they hadn't been one.
1: Yeah, don't want a taste of your medicine—that's for sure. And I do apologise. The tweet was actually—I'm getting my city um, Twitter personalities confused. Obviously, um, in my uh, you know cold, cold. I'm um, gradually getting cold colder. Mind it was Stephen McInerney, oh, I can't say his name. Even that's even worse. Steve McInerney, That will go with that. Who did the tweet? So all credit goes his way. Sorry, Alex, but I'm going to take it off you. Um, and you know, as we've said, there it's going to be. It's the start of a big week for City. Champions League, as we'll kind of get into in just a moment. But after that, um, we've got Liverpool on Sunday who are in quite the mire at the moment. It should have been Arsenal on the Wednesday following that. That game has been um, rearranged due to Arsenal, drew up a league game getting rearranged to the Thursday instead. So no, de- no date set for that quite yet. But um, October, a really important month for City. Um, we'll obviously go into more detail on Liverpool and the upcoming Premier League fixtures um, later on this week in another episode. Um, but uh, Arsenal and Liverpool played at the weekend. It was a massive game and, you know, Ars- a lot has been said about Arsenal. Started the season really well, beat Tottenham as they usually do in those derbies. But the real test when they play United, they lost um, to United side who were in a bit of a running streak, but as City showed, aren't exactly... Um, unflappable or anything like that. But so it's come back then and beat Liverpool, who aren't, you know, also lost to United and uh, clearly not the Liverpool they once were at present. But to win that game after getting a couple of setbacks, um, they played really well, really deserved to win. They're really shaping up to be the real thing, Alex. And, you know, we don't know when City are going to play them. It's probably good for the title race. That's going to be going for a while yet. Hopefully, you know, as a neutral and wanting to see excitement and not just a pound and steamroll everything. I um, do want a bit of a title race um, because if, when they find the play, um really a, a lot of stakes on the line if Arsenal can keep their reform going until then. What have you made of kind of Arteta's gunners? and do, do you see them as title challengers or are they going to eventually fade away? But for now at least, they are looking a real deal. I, I think my concern would be the squad, if they get a couple of injuries, they don't look like they have the depth to really um, cope with it.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I watched the game um on Sunday and I was yeah, I was really impressed with uh with kind of Arsenal's um obviously it goes without saying that they've got a huge amount of talent and, and obviously technical and sort of technical quality and physical abilities but I was really impressed with the way that the um I wouldn't say bounced back but they didn't sort of let Liverpool getting back in the game kind of set them back too much. Obviously they were ahead then Liverpool equalised then they were ahead and then Liverpool equalised uh I think. I think I got that right. Um, but, you know, it's Arsenal of old, let's say, or Arsenal of the last sort of five, six years would have probably just found a way to end up losing that game or not winning it. Um, and I think Arteta has done well to change that. Um, and obviously, it's that's not just happened. Just because of him, there's been massive turnover in personnel. Obviously, signing a couple of, you know, multiple times Premier League champions probably has helped a little bit as well (laughs) i'd say um but yeah i was really impressed with them uh gabriel martinelli you know he's always going to be a player to to watch out for and city will do well to try and keep him quiet um when the teams meet i think that the game at the etihad is in february i think and then as he said the the game at the emirates still doesn't have a date yet um yeah i thought uh yeah gabriel jesus has looked good as well um in fact, yeah, he's still showing, you know, a bit of a tendency to sort of stray off side a bit. Um, and probably, I wouldn't say he's got any more clinical in front of goal than when he was at City, which was one of the criticisms supporters sometimes leveled at him. Um, but he's looked good as well. He looks like he's enjoying his football. Um, yeah, I think it's, I wouldn't want to play them now. That's for sure, which is probably a good, a good thing that the, the match did end up getting postponed. But I don't know. i, I I think I kind of agree. Obviously, I hope this doesn't come back to bite me, but um, I think they'll they'll be in and around the top for much of the season. But I do kind of feel that maybe it's, you know, a little bit soon um, or that they perhaps don't quite have the depth or maybe not the depth, but the quality of depth. You know, we all know City don't have the biggest squad, but the, the depth they do have is all top, top quality. Whereas I don't think that quality is quite there with, in Arsenal's bench. Um, and I do see, perhaps, maybe the fact that you know, I don't know. I just don't think they're quite as maybe reliable in front in front of goal as you know Haaland has made City this season. So I, I don't know. It just seems a bit more like they'll they'll slip at some point, and obviously they did at Old Trafford um, against United. So while they're playing brilliantly at the minute, and you know, if they if the two teams were to play in midweek as 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 they were supposed to. I'm sure it would have been a, a great spectacle. So in a sense, it's a shame that it's not. But um I kind of feel like towards maybe like come April or May, I don't think maybe they'll be quite there. I mean, they'll be there at the top, but I'd be I think City are probably favourites, aren't they? Even if it's it seems daft to say the team that's not even top of the league yet is favourites for the title. But I perhaps I think City are just, you know, they know they've been there before. Um, you know now they're even better, more clinical in front of goal than they were last season, so um, I just, yeah, I've been impressed by Arsenal, but it would surprise me if they sort of kept City at arm's length for the whole season and ended up winning it. I I don't Mm -hmm. really see that, but, you know, famous last words, it Mm -hmm. could could happen, (laughs) so they definitely have to take them seriously, and as they've shown, you know, they're more of a competitor now for the title than Liverpool are for City, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, yeah, they've had a great start, and when they do meet uh, in February, it should be a really good game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I'm very intrigued to see where the other match will get rearranged to because I'm not sure if there's much room before the World Cup break for it to fit in. I wouldn't be very surprised. So it's likely going to be, you know, after the World Cup New Year, it could be quite close to the February match itself. I guess it'll depend on each club's kind of um, European um, exploits and whatnot. It'd be very intriguing if they end up playing each other quite close together and it really could be... um, a crucial kind of fixture run and um, for the Premier League title, if both teams can keep that momentum going, as you say. And I think what's impressed me the most about Arsenal, as you say, it feels like they've got a bit more about them now, as you're saying, like the head would drop usually, um, they'd kind of uh, get really. I know not know, I mean, it feels like the where they used to get ratty and morning and would lose their heads, they're now channeling that energy into positivity. I think if you look at Xhaka. There's not a greater kind of um, display of how they've changed. Where he was always getting sent off, being reckless, being stupid. He's now leading that side. You know, vice captain again. Who'd have thought that coming? Really, um, really kind of positive energy all around. And you look at Saka. I think Saka's an amazing player. And I'd be having him and Foden probably as England's winger going into the World Cup, depending on what kind of formation a Southgate plays. I think Saka just really, really impressive. With every passing game, said so they look really good, and if the it's it's to be a title challenges of season design basically. But it'd be very interesting to see, you know, it's almost like a Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker sort of thing. You know, I am your father, Arsenal. I have birthed you and now you are coming to kill me. So it'd be very intriguing to see um, if it'll be Arsenal's hand getting cut off, or if it'll be them, um, the finalist. But yeah, it's you know, very intriguing to see how it all plays off. As we say, there is a game. Great analogy that's he's still on form. even though I can hardly breathe. I'm still getting um, slugging at <laughs> it. Um, which you know, there is a match later on today, which we'll touch on briefly because I'm sure uh, by the time most people listen to this, it may well have already happened. But City are playing FC Copenhagen tonight over in Denmark, very jealous of Mr. Tyrone Marshall, the MAN who's over there. What a city! Um, how did, you know, a win for City will see him through to the knockout stages and brilliant time. Not quite top because Dortmund have turned there, you know, Dortmund have two wins, they play Sevilla. They get a win, they'll be on nine. So still within touching distance. It'll depend on the game at the um, signal of Park. Um, next week. Um but how, how do you see Guardola kind of approach in this? Obviously, Copenhagen, not the toughest of opponents, beaten pretty easily with a changed team last week. Do you see similar sort of changes, especially Liverpool coming on Sunday? Your likes of Gomez coming in. Marez probably keeping his place. Perhaps um, Ake getting a start. Laporte coming in for more match time. Maybe even the likes of Luis or Palmer getting a few more minutes if not a start. Is that is that, is that you, how you see it going?
0: Um, no, no. I think mm-hmm. um, I know. I said earlier that perhaps Foden would drop out because of the Liverpool game. But actually thinking about it, you know, Guardiola always says every season that the first objective of the year is to qualify for the knockouts of the Champions League. And as you say, if City win tonight, they've done it in four games, which would be brilliant. Yes, they won't have... Con- um, well, unless Dortmund lose to Sevilla tonight, I don't... Well, that even that, I don't think that would confirm them as group winners. But, you know, either way, if they qualify for... It's a big game and, you know, it'd be the first achievement sort of um, met. So... It's a big game in that sense. It's Obviously, it's not the biggest of games in terms of they just beat Copenhagen 5-0 last week and, you know, Liverpool, you'd think, will be a tougher game. But, you know, Grealish didn't start um, against Southampton, so you'd expect him to come back in. You know, just that bit of control in Champions League games. Like, the last thing Guardiola will want is for this to turn into, like, an end-to-end thing with the Copenhagen fans who, you know, they're well-known for having a great atmosphere at their stadium um, you know, riling the team up and getting them going at City in just an end to end game. That's not what he'll want. So, you know, I expect Grealish to come in. Um I wouldn't be surprised to be honest if Foden plays both today and on Sunday against Liverpool because, you know, it's it's a Tuesday night and then the game isn't until Liverpool game isn't until four o'clock, half four on on Sunday. So that's a good what four days um four days in between it's not not quite as bad as some of the recent ones where it's been sort of three days even slightly under three days um between matches so um i think it'll be a strong team i don't think we're going to see any sort of you know young younger players or you know i'd be surprised to be honest if we see gomez start i think maybe i think he'll probably go with the i won't be surprised if he went with the back four we saw on on saturday actually um or maybe laporte might come in um, you know, obviously Laporte's not in a place at the minute where he can play more than sort of one game a week. But, you know, he's probably, he's obviously fit. So, but he's maybe he doesn't want to play against Liverpool just because of how intense they can be. So maybe Laporte will come in, but I'd, I'd expect like a strong team. I don't think we're going to see like massive rotation, to be quite honest, um, just because of the importance of the game. And, you know, they want to get qualification boxed off as soon as possible. Um so that maybe we can see more rotation in the fifth or sixth game um before the World Cup. So um so yeah, I think it'll be a strong team and then obviously it'll be a strong team against Liverpool um on Sunday as well. But um yeah, it should be an interesting one. But I don't mm-hmm. think we're gonna see any huge shocks in the in the starting lineup.
1: Any score prediction from you?
0: Um I'll go with uh I'll go with three one to see.
1: OK, interesting. I'll go 4-1. Um, and yes, as we say, can can book their place in the knockout stages with a victory over in Copenhagen this evening. That match kicks off Tuesday, um, 11th October, at quarter to six of the early game. Hopefully you can get this listened to before then and these past five minutes of discussion isn't completely wasted. Um, I'm sure many of you may say the whole last 55 minutes may be completely wasted as well, but who am I? We, of course, you'll be able to follow all the coverage from this evening's game, the aftermath of it and the build-up to this weekend's massive match against Liverpool over on manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. You can get us on Twitter at ManCityMEN. You can get us on Facebook at the Manchester Evening News dash Manchester City page. You can get Alex on Twitter at...
0: Alex underscore Brotherton.
1: And you can get me... At Dan Murphy, MEN. Of course, thank you all very much for listening once again. Please do give us a little review on iTunes or wherever you do listen to those podcasts. Get us up those rankings. That would be very much appreciated. And again, yeah, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back um, probably tomorrow or Thursday to look at the Copenhagen match and all the implications from that and look forward to a massive month, um, rest of the month that begins with Liverpool on Sunday but until then thank you all very much again for listening and for now surah